Hey, everybody. Welcome to Commercial Construction Elevate the Industry podcast series hosted by yours truly, Dave Presida. Thanks for joining us. The purpose of the podcast is to help everybody from owner to intern understand the industry better and improve your place in it. And this one is no exception. In fact, if you're an owner or a manager or anybody within commercial construction, growing commercial revenue, which is the title of the episode, should be important to you. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you how to grow your business profitably, offering new lines of business, specialty products found on every single commercial job. I'm going to share with you how you can successfully engage in this part of the industry immediately without the steep learning curve that's often associated with expanding one's business. That should be music to your ears. Four important questions. Are you involved in commercial or residential construction? And if you are, do you understand the nuances of being a contractor? Do you have field estimating and administrative staff? Do you have an internal supply chain, which is a fancy way of saying, do you buy products from manufacturers, suppliers? Do they deliver them to your shop or to the, directly to the job site and you install them? If you, the answer is yes, and this describes you, this episode could be a, a game changer for you. But like anything else in a new endeavor, no matter what it is, the big question is why? Why would you bother? Owners, do you want to grow your business? Maybe you want to modify it, right? Shed some less profitable lines of business for more profitable and less risky lines of business. If so, I'm going to give you some ideas on how to do that. Do you believe in the point of diminishing returns? Maybe you're really good at something but you've reached a point where you've maxed out on the opportunities in your market and you've got to make some decisions if, again, the question is why, if you want to grow. These are all key scopes of work that enhance the whole, okay? And that's the best way to grow if you can add things that, that add value to your customers that make you more valuable in the whole process. Managers, it's important to you. Can you improve your company by engaging in specialty lines of business, right? And how can you provide ownership with a realistic path to grow profitably? In other words, you're gonna go and say, hey boss, I got a good idea. Well, do you? Is it well thought out? Okay, can you describe that? Hopefully by the end of this episode, you're gonna have that path and you'll, have, you'll be able to verbalize it uh, if you believe in it. So maybe you're still thinking, let me ask you a few more questions. What makes you good at what you already do? If whether you're a, a steam fitter, whether you're a roofer, a waterproofer, an insulation contractor, what makes you good? You have an experienced staff. You probably know what work to pursue for sure. You know the clients, you know the manufacturers of the products and the assemblies. You know how to estimate price and propose the job. You know how to procure the work and you know how to produce it. Now, it sounds simple, right? But you know the business, you know your business. So what stops you? What stops owners and managers from pursuing new lines of business? Well, you're already busy. And if you're not busy, you're probably overstaffed. You're busy with what you're already doing, no question about it. You wanna avoid the steep learning curve because not only does it suck 
the energy out of you. It can suck your cash too if you make a couple of mistakes. You lack, of course, specific trade experience and technical knowledge and field experience. So yeah, there are good reasons why you wouldn't want to risk doing something new. Now, every company that started typically started with one or two different lines of business and the owners or the, the people driving the business knew them and you grow. But if you've been an entrepreneur for a while, we've probably all made the same mistakes. We don't know what we don't know. And we try new things and we, think we, we know we're confident, right? We can figure it out. But sometimes figuring it out takes a couple of two or three bad jobs. We want to avoid that. So what if I could show you a way to bridge the gap so you could offer new scopes and eliminate that learning curve? What if I could help you find the opportunities on each job, identify the clients that need the, what you do? We can help you estimate price, propose and procure the projects and we can help you produce the work. Are you interested? Well, when we return, I'm going to let you know what lines of business we're talking about and how it could change your future. See you in a minute. Hi, I'm Patrick Ripple, founding partner of ISA Architectural. I've known that chap right there for well over 20 years. And what a 20 years it's been. I'm Larry Windsor, yeah. partner, vice president of construction services. Our third partner, Mike Morehouse, can't be with us today. We are the Mid-Atlantic's premier sales force for architectural building products and engineered architectural solutions. For over 15 years, we have been providing comprehensive design solutions to architects and designers all across this region and high quality economic product solutions to contractors and subcontractors too. We bring products and people together. We specialize in the building envelope, everything from the weather barrier all the way out to different types of cladding. We fully understand the rain screen principle and we have an interior portfolio specializing in wood and metal walls and ceilings. If you're a developer, part of a design team, architect or interiors, or if you're a contractor, let us help you. Visit www.isaarchitectural.com and see how we can bring value to your project. Hey, welcome back. So the specialty lines of business you're gonna find on every single commercial job, I'm, I'm gonna categorize them in three different groups. One is thermal control, moisture control, and passive fire protection. Now, where can you find them? Thermal control, what is thermal control? It's insulation. Thermal insulation helps resist the movement of heat and cold in a wall or in a floor. If you wanna keep the, the um, interior warm in winter or cool in the summer, insulation helps right, restrict the flow of heat either in and out of a building. It's been around forever, although I got to tell you, I started doing this when I, in uh, 1981. Yes, I did, 1981. And at the time, it was so fragmented. Everybody did it and nobody paid attention to it. But today, the three things that I'm going to talk about, thermal control being one of them, is a specialty business. And you better know what you're doing. Okay? So what is insulation? There's bad insulation, which is low density. You see that, you know, the Pink Panther, the... the uh, Bad insulation, it goes into most homes. It goes into a lot of commercial buildings too. Semi-rigid insulation, either mineral fiber or fiberglass, which would be 
like a two and a half, a three, a six pound per cubic foot board, rigid boards, which would be styrofoam or polyiso boards, and then spray foam. Now, where do, where do you find this stuff? Go to the exterior wall, go to any set of drawings, right? Or whatever you're working on. I don't care what, any architectural set of drawings and look at the exterior. So inboard of the exterior we're talking about, because there's also insulation outboard, we'll get to in a second. But inboard insulation, it's either gonna be the insulation board, it might be two inches thick, three pounds, it's self-supporting, it's not really rigid, but that could be attached directly to the exterior wall. Let's say it's precast or masonry. It could be attached with stick pins directly to the exterior wall. It could be installed inside the drywall framing. So if you're a drywall contractor, you know this. If you're, if you're a painter, you don't know it. If you're a flooring guy, you don't know it. Anyway, those studs will hold up insulation as well. Now there's thermal breaks in the stud. Every time a stud comes around, you've got a, a way for hot and cold to get in and out. It's conductive. Uh, not going to get too much into detail, but but that's one of the you know the restrictions, especially today, in what they call continuous insulation. Or it can be sprayed directly to the substrate. Now when you talk about spray foam, spray polyiso. Or, or spray polyiso foam. It's the fastest growing sector in the insulation industry today. In fact, bad insulation, fiberglass insulation companies are buying up spray foam companies because they're losing market share and they got to get it back somehow. So spray foam is a big driver today in insulation for a lot of reasons. But uh, you've also got exterior wall insulation that's outboard of the substrate, right? It could be fastened directly to the substrate outboard if it's a block wall um, or sheathing, right? Exterior gyp sheathing. Again, these, you know, or under deck. This is one of my favorites of all time. And every time I go into a big parking garage, I always look up, especially if I'm on uh, P1, because above me is the lobby. And the insulation that gets stuck to the underside of the parking garage, it's not sexy, I know, it's not. But man, is it simple and is it profitable? Okay, I've gone into many jobs and looked up and seen white-faced or, or uh, silver-faced insulation. And that's what we call under slab or under deck insulation. Now there's interiors as well. You know, if you look at the values, and I, I this is based and this is just a general statement because you business owners and managers understand revenue. So I'm going to give you a hint on some of the revenues that can be generated through especially trade like thermal insulation. Now, this all is impacted by the type of insulation, right? Fiberglass, mineral fiber, spray foam, the assembly, the quantity, the type of building, all of that stuff. But if you look at sound control, it might be 35 to 50 cents a square foot, but there's a lot of square feet in a building. I would not recommend that you get right into doing interior insulation for reasons I'll mention later, but it's something, it's there, it's there on every job. Exterior wall, bats, light density, into stud framing by others with a facing on it, 75 cents a square foot. Now direct fast and exterior wall or under slab insulation, semi-rigid board stuck directly to the substrate is the simplest thing to do. And I'll tell you why. Easy to identify. Go to the exterior wall. You're taking off the inboard side of the exterior wall or a reflected ceiling plan. You're looking at the insulation under deck. It's usually hatched out. 
Now there's there's little nuances. You got to look for you know concrete um, beams and drop pads, and you might add a little quantity there. All these things we're going to help you with, but we'll get to that later. But a direct fasten job would be, let's say um, you're in a market where your labor is three hundred dollars a man day. So that's you know that's not New York City and it's not Miami. It's somewhere in between DC, right? So if you're installing direct insulation, direct face and semi-rigid insulation to either the exterior wall or under a deck, you're going to get about 400 square feet per man day, right? That's 400 square feet per man. Your revenue is going to be about 1200 bucks because it's $3 a square foot. So you're going to get a re revenue stream from that one guy, one day of 1200. Your labor, we said that's going to cost you 300. Your material is going to cost you about 500, okay? So your your gross profit is going to be somewhere around 400 bucks or 30%. Now, think about it. You're not waiting for the framer to put his studs in. You're going first. You're not waiting for anybody to go on in the underside of the deck. And if you're in a mechanical room, that is a whole nother story. But you're going to make 30% on that. And it's easy to identify. It's easy to take off. It's safe. Now, how many guys do you think it will take you to do that in a year to do a million dollars worth of revenue? And I'm saying this because it matters. If one installer for one year, $1,200 a day, 260 days, working days in a year, that's $312,000 one guy can produce if he worked every single day doing this. That's 3.2 installers to do a million dollars worth of revenue. Now, we know it's not a perfect world and it's not going to work out that way. But what if it, what if it took you twice that because you're only working half the year? That means with 6.4 men, you can generate a million dollars and $300,000 in gross profit. I know it because I've done it. Okay, it, it's not, you're not going to do 10 million, but you can do 2 million of this, right? And if you add up all the other types of insulation, especially spray foam, which is different because you, now you've got machinery, you can rack up some good numbers. Now, years ago, I'm looking at a detail on the exterior wall and I'm looking at the insulation inboard of the wall and we're to say it was worth two bucks a square foot. But I'm looking at this detail and I'm seeing on the outboard side of the sheathing, it says AVB and I'm, what is that? Well, that was an air and vapor barrier. Now the air and vapor barrier is worth about $6 a square foot. So <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself, if I, if, I dis, if I figured out how to go from the inside of the wall to the outside of the same wall, I can increase my take on that job from two bucks to six bucks. Now I'm at $8 a square foot on the same job. Well, that was the advent of what we call air and vapor barriers are now air barriers. And that's when the number two comes in. So that brings us to moisture control. Now, I was involved with moisture control because I was an insulation contractor and either on the bats, on the, I call them bats, that's what they call them, on the light density insulation or the semi-rigid insulation, they often had factory applied facings or we put an additional layer of facing on and that was a vapor barrier, right? But up in Canada and then down in the Northeast, they realized that the buildings were 
were um, amassing moisture in the cavity and it was destroying the building. So it changed, the building science changed. And if you wanna hear about building science, go to season one and my interview with Marcus Jablanca, he's the VP at Dorkin who, who makes air barrier. But now the air barrier business started, I don't know, mid nineties here, I think. And I was one of the first companies doing it. And I told you why, but just by looking at the detail and saying, oh, okay, what is this? Originally, it was just an air and vapor barrier, which means it was impervious to moisture. It was an air and vapor barrier, AVB. And I remember on the Dulles Toll Road doing, uh, doing jobs where we were outside and it was uh, sheathing. And we were, it was this peel and stick, rubberized asphaltic membrane. And it was, it was, it was interesting. If it stuck to your hands, it was hard to get off. If it stuck to itself, you had to throw the piece away. It, it, it's a, the adhesion is still to this day is incredible. But that's all there was years ago. Okay. Air and vapor barriers or air barriers shed water. They're not the primary waterproofing membrane. That's the caulking around the windows. But it's important. It was made by, uh, well, it was then Muncie Baycor. Now it's a Henry company. It was called Blueskin. And Blueskin's around today. But today, almost every job is done with a permeable membrane, which allows moisture to get in and get out of the cavity, but it sheds water. Okay, so it's an air barrier. The blue skin or the impervious or the, the air vapor barrier, the non-permeable membrane is still a big thing, but really what it does now, it just ties the, um, the permeable membrane to itself and, you know, from dissimilar to dissimilar, that type of thing. It's more of a transitional membrane. So you might have blue skin on 10% of the job and, uh, or, or, you know, that's a manufactured product. But anyway, you might have impermeable membrane on 10%, getting into the details, but let's talk about the industry. Remember, it started out with one manufacturer. Now these companies, they all did waterproofing, roofing, you know, below grade, but air barrier is different. So now there's an association that started several years ago called the ABAA, Air Barrier Association of America. And on their website, you can go there and you'll see 44 manufacturers. Now, what that tells me is the supply and demand. Well, there's a huge demand and they are providing the supply. So where do you find air barriers? You find them on exterior walls. If it's not a glass wall, it's probably gonna have air barrier on it, whether it's exterior gyp sheathing, whether it's block or concrete. Without scaffolding, so in other words, scaffold by others, I'm gonna say in the average market, it's about $6 a square foot, okay? And it includes all the transitions to dissimilar. Now, from the priorities, from simplest to most difficult, right? You got large areas without windows. You can use fluid applied where you can spray it like paint, where there's minimal transitions. I guess the, the harder, more difficult would be when you have more glass and windows, right? You've got, uh, you've got a lot of windows to detail around. You've got more of the difficult stuff, which is the detailing around the windows and, and the dis, dissimilar to dissimilar. Uh, and probably the most difficult is gonna be high rise because you got wind, you got scaffold, and it's difficult peel and stick and fluid applied. But I'm telling you this, not because I'm trying to teach you the air barrier business. I want you to know 
that through the years I've learned, I've learned a lot about it and we can help you manage that risk. So what's it worth in an average market? Again, $300 a man day, your revenue, an installer. And again, it's, it, it changes, but an installer is going to do done, done, including transition memories, about 300 square feet a day. So at $6 a square foot, your revenue is going to be $1,800. That's not bad. Your labor is going to cost you $300 for a man. Material is going to cost you $800. $800. So your total cost for the day is $1,100. And you're going to make, I'm going to say $700. Now, disclaimer. I know this is real because I've done it. I can't guarantee that for you, but I can certainly help you get there. That means that's a 39% on sales number. So let's compare it to insulation. One installer for one year is going to yield $468,000 plus or minus in revenue. It's going to take you 2.1 installers, 260 days to get to a million bucks. Now think about this. I know air barrier installers that do 10 million, 12 million, okay? And these numbers are real. I just helped one get purchased by a big public company. All he did is air barrier. These numbers are real. His, his EBITDA is through the roof, but he's good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. But if you're a $2 million business and you want to be a $3 million business, you want to grow by 50%. You can continue to do what you're doing, or you could adopt something like this with help to reduce the learning curve. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss number three, scope of work, which is passive fire containment. Hey, everybody. If you're looking for a strategic business partner who does subcontracting work on the interiors, let me tell you about the CFP group. They are a minority business enterprise and have been in business for over 20 years. If you're interested, you can contact them by email at cfpgroup1 at gmail.com or call them directly at 410-977-8568. That's 410-977-8568. Take it from me. I've done business with them and I know they can get the job done. Welcome back. What is passive fire containment? Well, fire containment in general is to, to suppress smoke, fire, and hot gases. Active fire containment would be your local fire company or a sprinkler system that's active. We're going to talk about passive fire containment, assemblies that compartmentalize smoke, hot gases, and fire in its place of its origin. And a, a simple way to say it, if, if you're in a high-rise building and a fire erupts on the fourth floor. That means that all of the systems built into that, into the, the building are there to help stop the spread of the smoke in particular, but fire and hot gases too. There are tons of openings, construction gaps, holes, where conduit comes through the floor at the edge of slab where the curtain wall or the wall system actually hangs off the slab. That void is a construction gap that has to be filled and sealed. So if there's a fire on the fourth floor and it's a two hour rated floor assembly or a two hour rated wall assembly that you're, if you're in the room next door, you got two hours to get out. If you're in the floors above, 
or below, you've got two hours to get out. That would be two hour rated floor and wall assemblies and that's pretty typical. But passive fire containment doesn't do anything but compartmentalize the fire. Now, you know, it seals gaps, right, in rated construction. Now, you're not going to have, if you have a non-rated wall, and most corridor walls are rated, but you might have non-rated walls in an apartment, it's not going to stop it from coming from your bathroom to your, your bedroom. That's not, that's not, it's due in rated construction, okay? Um, if you remember years ago, there was a massive fire in uh, Las Vegas, and smoke and fire killed a lot of people, came up through the core, what they call the core of the building. It just followed all the openings in the raceways where the mechanical equipment came up through the building. They were not properly sealed. Years ago, let me give you an example, how, how the fire stop industry has changed. Remember I said earlier that, that all this was so fragmented and before building science became a big thing and before manufacturers realized that there was an opportunity there and they did testing to support, you know, their claims of, 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 of doing things like slowing down the spread of smoke and fire. I did a big job in New York City called Equitable Towers. It was a 55-story curtain wall job on 55th Street near, um, near Fifth Avenue. Anyway, we put mineral fiber in the exterior construction gap, Right? So you had a, a four inch gap between the exterior, in this case, it was limestone and the exterior slab. So we filled it with mineral fiber. That was it. Now, any job today, this is many, many, many years later, any job today is gonna have not just mineral fiber in that gap. They're gonna have mineral fiber with the grain going up and down not side to side, not horizontally. So you turn the insulation over, it's a four inch gap. You need eight inches of insulation to squeeze it down, to put it in that, that construction gap. So if there's any movement, the insulation will move in and out with it. Number one, compression. Number two, there's a smoke seal that goes on top and it, it, it's, a, um, it's an elastic sealant. So the elastic sealant, provides the smoke seal, that's why it's called smoke sealant. And if there's any smoke that gets up through that gap, it'll get stopped by the sealant. Now remember, years ago, I did exactly what we were supposed to do. And it worked. At the time, you know, like, God forbid, it won't work, but it did work. But technology has changed and it's promoted this, this industry that was that nobody cared about, that nobody looked at, into one that's ridiculously scrutinized now. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to, to get you to understand that there is a specialty nature to this part of the business as well. Now, who are the manufacturers, right? Remember, it, what you do well. What you do well, you know all the manufacturers. You know the best people to make the best stuff, best pricing. Well, the manufacturers are specified technologies, for example, Hilti, 3M, Tremco, Rector Seal, and many, many, many more. So where can you find it? I initially found it in curtain wall. Curtain wall is simply that, it's a curtain. It's a wall that hangs off the building, it's non-load bearing, and it creates that construction gap at the perimeter of the building. It is the simplest thing to take off because now you're looking at the exterior, right? You have 
spandrel glass that hides the slab, then you got a vision glass and you got spandrel glass. You just count them, you, know, you count them, it's simple. So you can easily identify, you're not gonna get screwed up with the scope, and then you've got a line of fire safety. So without getting too technical, a curtain wall assembly is two parts. It's a vertical insulation for mineral fiber, which is attached to the mullions, which holds the glass. So you have a T because then you put, you're creating another exterior wall inside that, inside that mullion and you connect it with safing insulation. The stuff I did at Equitable Towers a long time ago, now I turn it the right way, compress it, put the ceiling on it. Okay, that's a big deal. Now, it's changed. That, I remember going down 6th Avenue in New York City in the mid 80s with a Motorola two-way <laughs> two-way walkie-talkie because we really didn't have cell phones then. Talking to four jobs at a time, thinking I'm on top of the world because they were all being stick built. They were being built piece by piece. Therefore, the insulation had to be put in piece by piece. That's all changed. They're now made in units. The insulation almost all the time comes already inboard of the unit. So now what we do is we do fire safing and we wrap the mullions, the structural parts that keep the curtain wall from melting during the fire for two hours. That's what we do. So that's a, that, that's worth about $7 a square foot uh, for that assembly. The slab edge safing is worth about $4 a linear foot. Where else can you find it? Through penetrations. Like I said, anything, a pipe, for example, that penetrates a rated wall, a vertical wall, that hole, that annular space around that pipe has to be sealed. Um, and there's assemblies for there's UL and many other testing companies test data on that, right? So you can find through penetrations, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're looking to grow your business, that's not where you want to start because it's a difficult, it's more difficult. You got to be really good and knowledgeable to be able to do it. And there's a lot of other reasons why I would urge you not to go into through penetrations, especially early. Where else can you find it? The top of wall. What do you mean the top of wall? Think about it. You have a fluted metal deck at the top of a wall. It holds the concrete slab on the floor above. When your wall is perpendicular to that fluted deck, you have holes where the flutes are. And that's got to be filled with mineral fiber, compressed, and sprayed with the same, with the same uh, smoke sealant that gets sprayed on the slab edge. Now, remember, this, this never used to be a thing. It used to put fiberglass insulation in there. Not anymore. And I can tell you, you can find that on every single job. And you know where you can really find it? In a hospital. But you know what I would tell you not to do? Because it's not just about you doing business. It's about you making money. Don't get involved in top of wall until you're really good. Get involved with the slab edge safing and the curtain wall insulation. All right. And you can and you can do a lot with just that. I remember 3M came out with a spray product. I mean, back in the late 90s and, and we used it on a job at Johns Hopkins University. And it wasn't a hospital, but it was like an MOB and it was it was intense. And I can tell you the scrutiny was unbelievable. They had inspectors up there every night with a high powered flashlight. And, and the reason I say that is that it is a. It's a $20 a linear foot business, but you don't want to do it if it costs you 25. 
And I haven't found a drywall client yet, and drywall guys will buy this from you. General contractors will buy this from you. But I haven't found a drywall company yet that carries enough money in the top of wall. So if we ever get to where this is going to take us, I'm going to urge you not to do that either. For fire, passive fire containment, there's three things that I would do. And I would do curtain wall, I would do slab edge, and I would also do spray fireproofing. Spray fireproofing, again, a wet trade, different. It's got machines involved and so on, but we will get to those things too. So revenue, again, $300 a mandate. You're gonna get 200 linear feet of safing done. Your labor is gonna be 300 bucks, right? Uh, so your labor is actually gonna cost you 600. Your material is gonna be 300. Uh, you're gonna have a gross profit of 200, which is gonna be 30%, right? Your revenue is $800. 30%, which is good. It's going to take you five installers doing that every day for one year to get to a million bucks. That's if you added the three things I just went over, thermal insulation, air barriers, and passive fire containment. That's 10 men doing three new things in a perfect world where you have $3 million over 30% gross profit. So I know what you're going to say, and I agree with you. The world isn't perfect. It just doesn't work that way, right? But if you did a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you can do it and you can do it now. So, you know, you can teach, we can teach you how to identify price, propose and produce to get your revenue up to wherever you might want it to be. Now, let's talk about risk. And you should, you should think about risk. And I'll ask a group of owners, what kind of risk do you think comes with doing, uh, you know, a new line of business? And almost everyone says the biggest risk is labor. What do you mean? That I don't produce what I have in the estimate. Okay. So, so think about it though. Seriously. If you miss production by 20% because your labor is 30% of your revenue, if you miss it by 20%, your NOP comes down by 6%. So can you live with 24%? If you can, then, then this is a pretty good thing. If you miss by 20%, if you miss by 40%, your labor might or your GP might come down by 12. It's still good. That's not where your real miss is, risk is. Your real risk grows if you miss the quantity. Well, again, when we talk about these lines of business, we're going to tell you which ones make the most sense, which ones are the easiest to identify so you don't miss quantity. I am not going to suggest you take off the interiors of a hospital for interior insulation and top of wall. Well, that'd be foolish. Okay. Uh, some people say, well, what if I install it wrong? Correct. That might be part of your 20% missing your labor because you got to reinstall stuff. What if I install it wrong and it gets covered up? That's your risk grows because then somebody's got to tear the wall out and you got to reinstall it. And that's a big problem. That's why you need an organized way, an organized guidance to grow and prosper without the steep learning curve. That's what we're here to help you do. So how are we going to help you? Well, 
Let me list some things we can do. We can provide you with the best manufacturers and products. You're not going to have to think twice about where to go to get them. We're going to assist you in the takeoffs by, by a couple of things. We can help you do the takeoffs or we can point you to the scopes of work that are simplest to take off, which I alluded to earlier. We're going to participate in bid reviews. Think about this. You have an estimator that does the estimate. We have a virtual meeting. We sit down and we walk through the job. We look at the elevations first. Then we look at cuts in the elevation. We look at your scope of work. Is it air barrier? Is it safing? Is it a combination of many things? We'll ask the right questions. What about the mechanical room? Did you catch the underside of soffits, right? Are you, are you uh, properly determining how much transition material you're gonna use? These are things that will, will help you avoid the pitfalls of thinking you know and not knowing. I've done it, right? Why wouldn't you wanna learn from my mistakes? You should, okay? We're gonna provide you with proposal templates that capture all the clarifications, easy to cut and paste, and immediately boost your credibility with the client. If you're doing air barrier only, why aren't you doing the other things? Because you're busy and we, we went through all that. We're gonna help you do that. Okay, and we took an example, and I should have mentioned this in the air barrier part, is that we did the um, stadium out in uh, Oakland, right? The Warriors Arena, and it was a huge air barrier job. And the only reason we did it is because that division called me and said, hey, we got a big insulation job. It was the, in it was the inside of the Chase Arena, right? And we said, well, what about the air barrier? We don't do air barrier. Why not? Well, we just don't know how to do it. So we did the takeoff. We helped them through the whole process. We put the proposal together. We, we brought the right manufacturers to bear. We got the job. It was several million dollar air barrier job and they made a lot of money. Now they wouldn't even have looked at it and I would agree with them, but they had an opportunity to work with people who knew the business. By the same token, in DC, we were doing a job at the uh, DC United Soccer Stadium. We get a call from the division. Hey, we got a big air barrier job here. Can you help us with it? Yeah, sure. What about all the spray foam? Well, we don't do spray foam. <laughs> well, yes, you do. And the same thing happened. It was a different line of business. But you, by utilizing us, can leverage our knowledge to help you grow your business. So we were at bid reviews. Bid reviews help everybody learn, and after a while, you're gonna win us away, you're not gonna need it. We're gonna provide productions for field applications. You gotta put a price together, right? You're gonna you're gonna price the job. Well, how many square feet a day is a guy gonna get 18 foot high on the interior of a building? Well, it depends what kind of building it is. Is it an office building? Is it a hospital? If it's a hospital, I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> you're gonna use mineral fiber and you're probably gonna get 1,200 square feet a day, maybe. And if the stud framing is supposed to be 16 inches, you're guaranteed that most won't be because there's so many doors and things that interrupt it. So you're gonna be cutting insulation, right? You would never think of that. Maybe you wouldn't. I didn't think of it until we learned it the hard way. If it's an exterior wall application, we're gonna give you productions. I gave you a few earlier. What if it's a stud framed wall that shows FSK insulation, FSK faced fiberglass insulation? The fiberglass, let's say it's R19, six and a half inches. FSK facing to be factory applied all right, it cost you one thing. To buy an unfaced and a separate foil facing, you're gonna save 15 cents a square foot just in material. 
and you're going to install it faster because you're going to put the bats in. Then you're going to put the facing on the face of the studs. These are little things we're going to help you with. We're going to help you price it eyes wide open. Okay, now, hey, I think we can get this. No, I know we can get this. And if you miss by 5%, you're going to miss by 5% in your existing business. So you're not going to miss by much more. We're going to help you <laughs> close the deal if you need it. If you need it, we'll help you close the deal. And now, once you get the job, you got to produce it. So I have guys that have worked for me for many, many, many years who are now retired. But you know what they love? They love to work. They don't want to work with their hands anymore. But all you need to do is say, hey, we want one of those guys to come out and work with our guys for a week. Imagine that. Somebody's been doing this for 30 years, coming out and showing your people the tricks of the trade, the way to get the most production safe, the safest way, and with the highest level of quality. That's what we are going to offer. We're going to offer this, you know, through my consulting business, of course, but also through a workshop. So we're going to be having a master class in the D.C. area in late June. Follow us on Instagram at Elevate Industry and you'll get all the updates. Go to my website, adacorp.com, A-D-I-C-O-R-P.com, my last name spelled backwards, and you'll get the most up-to-date information and the agenda items. Sign up. Space is limited. I'm serious. This is not going to be a huge event. It's going to be an intimate event with the right people for the right reasons. Now, if you're if you're in insulation and you're not doing air barrier, you need to think long and hard about it. But you don't have to go it alone. If you're in the fire stop business and you don't do commercial insulation, you may be missing something. If you're doing spray foam and not the other things I mentioned, or if you're a roofer, if you're a roofer and you're you're maxed out on roofing opportunities, talk about insulation. Talk about spray foam. You can do spray foam on roofs too. These are things, these are adjacent businesses to what you're already doing, doing different things that add value to your customer that make you more valuable on the next bid. And you can do it without the steep learning curve if you engage us. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed doing it. It's, it's what I've lived and breathed for a long time. And I'm really anxious to share it with you. So until then, stay safe and stay tuned. So if you have questions about starting, building, or selling your business or anything in between, contact me two ways. Go to my website, adacorp.com. That's A-D-I-C-O-R-P.com. That's my last name spelled backwards. Or visit me on LinkedIn. Go to David Proceda and leave your messages there. Visit us on our YouTube channel at Elevate the Industry. Check us out on Instagram at Elevate Industry. Subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Either way, we'll talk next week. And between now and then, stay safe and stay tuned. All the music for the episodes, including our theme song, Elevate, was provided by DMV producer Trey Skills. If you like what you heard, follow Trey Skills on Instagram at Trey Skills, T-R-E-Y-S-K-I-L-L-Z. That's T-R-E-Y-S-K-I-L-L-Z.
拜拜。